You're going to remember this every day for the rest of your life. If you want to get to a goal, if you want to get to your dream, you got to focus on all the little steps. You have to put in your time. You have to be patient and you have to enjoy the process. Whatever you're doing now, whatever you want to be great at, whatever you want to be special at, I'm sure you you maybe already be good at it, but to be extraordinary, you have to do extra. I firmly believe that we are all here for a very specific reason to do something truly extraordinary. But what are you going to do to get there? Welcome to the Magna Method. Today we have Brent Saunders on the show. Brent is currently chairman of Vesper Healthcare and was former chairman, president, and chief executive officer at Allergan PLC. Brent has been involved in building up many brands, which most, if not all, have become household names. Listen as Brent and Mark discuss great leadership skills, a passion to be great at every step, and how consistent hard work does not equal luck. Brent, thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, super excited to have you. Um, you've been an awesome, awesome member at 1220. I know you're a fitness freak and a fitness fanatic now. Well, I'm and just trying to you know, keep up with like one-tenth of, of, oh, of what you do. You're please. the motivation. I'm so. trying. I'm trying. But it, it is awesome to see how you know, you've grown in regards to fitness and wellness. And I know you gotta, we're going to talk about your long history and health. But um, it is awesome having you in this. So thank you. Yeah, thanks for having um, me. Absolutely. So... I've always wanted to have you on the show because I wanted to hear your story, just hear your story in general. And then I know there's a lot of powerful lessons in there. And then from there, I'm going to ask you to uh, school us on the necessary steps to, you know, it's like necessary steps to have success, but the necessary steps to work towards something significant and special from your world, from your perspective. So please tell us about your start, uh, where you're from and uh, how you got started. Yeah, no, so, so happy happy to be here, and uh, hopefully somebody finds us interesting. <laughs> me too, <laughs> but, me too. I cross my fingers. I cross right. My fingers. Uh, yeah, so, uh, you know, I started off, um, I grew up in Pennsylvania. I was a very mediocre high school student. Um, really? Yeah, I was, I, was, uh, I was one of those kids who I guess would be called today a classic underachiever. Really? Um, was never really motivated by school. Mm-hmm. Wound up going to University of Pittsburgh. Okay. Um, was very active there, like in, in student government, was president of the student body, all that kind of stuff. But, That's cool. but a very mediocre student as mm-hmm. well. Gosh, I think I graduated with like a 2.9. So, no way. Yeah, so think I find that, that hard to believe. <laughs> You're serious. Yeah, I, I, absolutely. All right. All right. Had no idea what I wanted to do after college. Had no, you know, all my friends had plans. I want to go to medical school. I want to be, a, you know, in, in, in a, a manager of this, or I want to work in banking, or what have you. I had no clue. So it was not a great job market. So I figured, all right, just stay in school, like hide, right? Like try to figure out a way. So um, I went to law school. I went to Temple University. I was a Pennsylvania resident. So oh, I cool. stayed at Pennsylvania State School because mm-hmm. that was what I could afford for tuition. Um, and so I stayed in the, in the state school system and uh, worked and went to law school, um, you know, and just didn't know what to do. Hated law school. Didn't like hanging out with the lawyers. Um, so I knew I was still lost. Still don't. <laughs> still don't like lawyers. No, um, uh, no I know a few good lawyers. Of course. Of good. Course. No, actually, I don't know any good lawyers. I know good some people. good people who are lawyers. Of course. Um, but uh, spent, uh, you know, that three years, um, you know, working really hard and, and putting myself through school and, and uh, knew I didn't want to be a lawyer. So added an extra year to go to business school, try to do something different. Mm-hmm. Um Practice law for a nanosecond after all that ended, um, and then went to work um, in a hospital um, doing regulatory compliance and 
and uh, became the chief compliance officer of a, oh, wow. of a big hospital system in Philadelphia. Loved it, learned a lot, got to spend a lot of time uh, uh, doing presentations for boards and mm -hmm. you know being in front of a, our senior management team. So at a very young age, I got, got some really good professional experience, but also knew I wanted to get into the for-profit world. This was a non-for-profit hospital. Mm -hmm. Great to, to you know cut my teeth on. I was working crazy hours. Um, but then uh, decided to go into consulting and I joined Pricewaterhouse Consulting um, and gosh, I was in my 20s and became a partner within like a year or so. Um, That's amazing. So like a meteor. That's rise. amazing. Yeah, it was crazy. Um, I think at the time though, I held the record for the youngest partner ever admitted into Pricewaterhouse. It's impressive. Impressive. I think my record may still stand, but I haven't checked it in a while. We'll have to look into yeah, it. Yeah, I'll have to, I'll have to check. Um, and I did that, and that was a great experience. And I always actually tell people who don't know what they want to do, mm -hmm. consulting is a, a really interesting option, management mm -hmm. consulting, because you you get to meet great people. You work on a diverse set of different issues and projects and, mm -hmm. and with different clients. Mm -hmm. I've got to travel quite a bit if that's of interest to somebody. Right. Um, but also, you know, you don't have to pick one thing. You get to experience so many things, and, and, and you know, you become a... A bit of an expert in like five or six different different areas and, and that was really important um, I became quite good at consulting so much so that one of my clients wanted to hire me mm -hmm. and this was kind of like the most pivotal career thing I've ever did because I was killing it at PwC I was for my age and, and my experience level I was making uh, more money than I ever thought I'd make in my entire life okay and one of my clients said hey can you come and and, and help me turn around this big pharmaceutical company um, I really need you. Can you come? And I said, no, I'm great. I'll help you as a consultant, but I don't, I can't come work there. Mm -hmm. Well, after like a month, he wore me down and, and, and I decided, all right, you know, maybe I should do this because he's a legendary CEO. Maybe I can learn some things right. from him. Right. So his offer was about a third of what I was making. So a two thirds salary cut. Are you telling me you took a pay cut for a great opportunity to learn something? Yeah, so this is where I'm telling you the fork oh, in the road. Oh, yeah. So yeah. most people you know would not do this. They'd say, That's no, right. I can't take this pay cut. And I actually said to myself, and I remember saying this, and I, I remember talking to my father about it even. I said, you know, this is kind of a once-in-a-lifetime career opportunity. I don't know if it's going to work, but I'm going to work my ass off to, to, mm -hmm. to make it work. Right. And if I don't make the money back over time, well, then it was just, you know, that's the risk I'm willing to bet, but I'm going to bet on myself. I'm going to bet yeah. that I can get back to where I was. Of course. Um, it took several years to do that, but then how many was, years roughly? Um, I started making probably around year six or seven at that company. So about six, seven years, mm -hmm. I was back to making what I was making at Pricewaterhouse financially. That being said, experientially, what I was doing was off the charts. Like. Right. You know, I became a very senior person in that that company. I took over their consumer healthcare. Uh, I ran brands like Claritin, Dr. Scholl's, Coppertone, you know, crazy, a bunch of other crazy ones. Crazy, powerful Africa, brands. All over the world. I launched them in China. I mean, I got to do crazy things in terms of building brands and building, mm -hmm. you know, a, a mm -hmm. business. Um, and so I, I got to do a lot of M&A and did some deals. It was, it was great. Um, but, uh, you know, it was a huge bet um, financially to, mm -hmm. to do it. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, Gosh, I have zero regrets today. But. Yeah, well, probably a bit scary at the time. I mean, you're probably a younger guy, somewhat of a younger guy when you took that chance. I just had my first daughter. Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah, and not yeah. an opportune time because 
You know, we no, see, most people would have said, yeah. in fact, thinking back on it, I would say, you're crazy. You have a lifetime partnership is a lifetime job. Mm -hmm. you're like I was an equity partner. I was all in, right? It's, it's, and then you have a daughter, you need yeah. money. Right. And you know, you want to give her a good life and it, probably not the best time to take a pay cut. Yeah, no, it was, um, you know, I was in a fortunate position to be able to make that decision, but but gosh, it was a, it was a really hard decision, but probably the best career decision I ever made. That's and, very and to be honest, I, I, I shit you not, to, to this day, in every job I've ever had, I've never asked for a raise, and I've never negotiated my salary. Not sure anybody should emulate that, right, right, right. <laughs> but I've never done understood, it. Understood, understood. Because yeah. I never thought about working as a thing where you, where where you know you had to maximize every opportunity you can mm -hmm. to make money it was about maximizing your experience, maximizing your opportunities, maximizing your own personal professional yeah. development, yeah. and the money would come. That's right. And you know I'm very fortunate that worked yeah, out for right, me. Right, right, right. Yeah. And I think that not only were you around good people that you trust that you trusted, but you kind of bet on yourself, meaning my performance. And if I go all in. Right. It's going to follow suit, right? Why do we say that? If you're going to bet on somebody, why don't you want to bet on yourself? You control yourself a whole lot yeah. more than you can control anybody yeah. else. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that, that, that's a great, amazing story there. And then you went from there. What was the next step? So from there, I um, uh, the company was ultimately acquired by Merck. So, mm -hmm. you know, I helped with that integration. I helped with that deal. And then, you Huge know, company. Huge, huge company, huge. right. But then I had to figure out what am I going to do? I didn't want to go start over again in a, this new conglomerate. I was kind of the heir apparent to the CEO mm -hmm. um, at, at Sharon Plow, which was the name of the company. Um, and so I started looking for another job. Uh, and I had two really interesting opportunities, one with a big uh, company as the number, the president and heir apparent to the CEO, mm -hmm. a very established company, public company. Mm -hmm. And the other one was a, a turnaround situation, a company called Bausch and Lomb, an eye care company. That's right. That had suffered, you know, it was a 165-year-old company, one of the oldest companies in America, from Rochester, New York. Okay. Um, made three three different businesses, contact lenses and solutions, which mm -hmm. most people know. That's right. Like Renew Solution, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. um, uh, pharmaceuticals for, for the eye, eye drops and okay. other medicines for the eye. And the third business was uh, surgical implants, um, and uh, lasers and other things that are used in op optical surgery. And so the business would dead last in every category. I mean, it was a, it, it had been in decline for 30 years. Um, trending down, right? Trending down, no revenue growth in 30 years. I mean, it was really in, in bad shape. Um, it had gone private with a private equity transaction. They were looking for someone to come in and turn it around. Um, and so I, I took that job. Uh, I thought of that as a bigger challenge and mm -hmm. more opportunity. Yeah than going and working in a very established company. Something back then, I was crazy. I, I, I just wanted more challenge versus taking right. the easy path. And, and you must go into that saying, I know I'm gonna turn this around, I'm gonna ignite this thing, I can fix this. And that's a lot of fulfillment in that. Right? By the way, I never thought I couldn't, but I probably was crazy to think that. I you was could. probably arrogant because yeah. <laughs> it, was a, it, yeah. was, it was probably, the, to this day, that was the hardest job I ever had. Really? Hardest job I ever had. Just because there's, there's so many things, balls in the air, so many things to fix, and yeah, I mean, I was the uh, they had a revolving door of CEOs. So I was what, what the third CEO in in two years. Wow, short um, time, right? Short time, and and no one, you know, not a lot of resources, not a lot to work with. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, I viewed it as as a real challenge. There there has to be some diamonds in the rough in in a hundred and sixty year old company. Oh yeah. I mean, there has to be a way to turn around a deflated workforce and get them motivated mm -hmm. and, and get them supercharged to go out and, and win with customers and, and do well. Yeah, and right. so 
you know, that's how I approached that job. Um, it was it was a very global company. It was much bigger mm-hmm. in China, for example, than it was mm-hmm. in the U.S. Um, bigger in Europe and other places like mm-hmm. that. And so it was, uh, you know, I remember I took the job. I, I went up to Rochester, which where their headquarters were, and uh, did a big town, global town hall that was webcast over the world, and then left and spent the next month on the road with sales reps and customers. And I think these people, all these executives, you know, these vice presidents and presidents and general counsels and CFOs were like, where the hell did this new boss go? Like, we haven't, he came here the first day and we've never, we haven't seen him in a month. Where is he? But I didn't know anything about eye care when I took mm-hmm. over the business. Mm-hmm. I was, I was brand new to it. I didn't even know how to describe the anatomy of the eye, let alone any of the, the drugs or products used in the eye. I didn't even know how you even talk like contact lens language. I didn't even understand that. And so I thought the best way to do it is just go out and immerse myself and and and, right. and not hear from the top people, but hear from the people who make the products, sell the products, mm-hmm. discover the products, use the products. Boots on the ground, people Boots on the ground. Do, yeah. And those are the most important people in the company anyway. Mm-hmm. So I I I really I I didn't know it at the time. I was just being selfish and trying to learn as much as I could about the business. Mm-hmm. But it really it endeared me to the frontline people in the company. And it really taught me the lesson that if you win the hearts and minds of the front line, mm-hmm. everything else flows easier. Mm-hmm. Many times executives spend time talking to their direct reports, what is that, 10, 15 people right. tops, mm-hmm. and they hope this kind of like filter system, mm-hmm. reverse triangle works. I always say, turn it upside down, right? Mm-hmm. Spend your time winning the hearts and minds of, of the people who make mm-hmm. or sell or, or touch your customers. Right. And who gives it's a crap smart. about the high paid people at the bottom? Yeah, right? I mean, it's, it's they're a necessary evil. <laughs> yeah, and the, but the people yeah. have their hands in the dirt, they're probably gonna give you really accurate information how they receive it from the clients and customers, right? Right, I mean, just like you, you the people who touch your clients, mm-hmm. those are the most important people in, in okay. anatomy. They're the yeah. people who are gonna create or make or break the experience right. for the customer. Right, and give referrals and have positive experiences yeah. or wherever the hiccups are, how do we can optimize our systems? That's the most important thing. Right. That's great. Yeah, so we did that. Um, we, we actually turned around and we started getting revenue growth. Um, we, we did amazingly well. We wound up um, selling the company and about four and a half, five years later mm-hmm. um, for an amazing amount of money, um, more than the private equity guys ever thought they would make. Uh, it, was, it was considered at the time one of the greatest successes in healthcare private equity. So, amazing. yeah, so then amazing. I had to go look for a job again. <laughs> Feels like you're always out of work. I'm just kidding. Yeah, now these are big five, yeah, yeah, eight years, five years, but yes. Big chunks of time. Yeah, and I was trying to figure out what to do next, and I got recruited by a company in in New York City called Forest Laboratories. Mm -hmm. Um, Really, um, a a company that made um, medicines or pharmaceuticals predominantly for for CNS conditions. So it was. it was depression. Lexapro was what mm-hmm. they, they had discovered and, and launched Lexapro mm-hmm. and Amenda for Alzheimer's. It was it was basically brain drug, like drugs mm-hmm. that impact the, the brain and working you know, across the blood brain barrier. Um, and I saw a real diamond in the rough with this company too. It was a mm-hmm. smaller company, but it had some great products. It had amazing, talented people, um, and it had a pristine balance sheet. And I said, "Gosh, you know, I think if if I if I t- if they wanted me to take it over, there was a big proxy fight with Carl Icahn, and there was all sorts oh, of wow. activists." Wow crazy stuff going on. I said, look, if we can come around and we can make this a better company, my guess is we can go do things with this company that they never thought of. And that's exactly what we did. We, 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 I found some amazing people in that company. I got them kind of re-energized mm-hmm. um, and, and we had an amazing team and we went out and we did, I don't know, $250 billion worth of M&A over the next eight years. 
and turned that company into what today is known or was known as Allergan. Right, right. Um, and uh, through some major deals and name changes of the company, mm -hmm. but um, you know, we wound up selling it uh, last May to AbbVie for mm -hmm. you know combined total enterprise value of, of eighty three billion. So it That's... worked out really, really well. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I would definitely put it in that bucket. Um, yeah, no, but we had some great brands, you know, on the uh, obviously the global leader in aesthetic medicine like Botox mm -hmm. and Juvederm mm -hmm. and Coolscoping. That was about twenty five percent of our business. Seventy five percent was was real pharmaceutical medicines, right. but some some great you know um, new drugs for mental health like mm -hmm. Fralar for schizophrenia and bipolar mania really and, help patients. Right, and in. in you know, I, I've had some really wonderful interactions with you. I, I mean, I can just tell that you do these things because you have a sincere and genuine side to help people. And it's super important to you. It and, is. And I actually say that's why I love working in healthcare because, yeah. you know, you can, you wake up every day and, you know, you can have a, a more noble purpose of trying to, you know, solve an unmet medical need, bring somebody mm -hmm. medicine that will make their lives better or solve their yeah. medical issues or yeah. hopefully cure their disease. Mm -hmm. um, but you can also do it in a for-profit way and you can employ mm -hmm. people and you can create jobs, create, create yeah. jobs and, and return for your shareholders and investors. And so it's really a nice balance of all those mm -hmm. things. Now, I know some people say, oh, that's very hypocritical. Pharmaceuticals are really expensive. Yeah. I can't afford my medicine. Mm -hmm. Absolutely agree with all that. We did a lot to try to solve for that, but that's a systemic issue. That's not yeah, really yeah, a pharmaceutical yeah. issue. Understood, understood, yeah. absolutely. And you know, you, you put your heart and soul into this, and you're always trying to to make sure that the greater good is there. Like you're serving others. And we say we're serving others here, but you you you've been you've been doing that your whole life because it's the same thing. You're making yeah. people's lives better by making them healthy, feel better about mm -hmm. themselves, their self esteem, their mm -hmm. their mm -hmm. their their. Ability to to function without pain or or whatever right. it's all the same thing. Right, we've all been in pain. You know how it is right. to go through your days in like real pain. And I have, I talk to athletes, and I'm for I played 26 years of football, played professional football, and I have still to this day teammates to say I can take pain. And I always say if you can take pain, then you haven't been in real pain. Right. Because real pain you do not want in, and you don't wish it on anyone. You don't wish it on your worst enemy. So you're improving people's quality of lives and just being able to take them out of pain and improve that quality of life, that's like a huge, huge add value for you know the world. Uh, so I, I thank you for that. Yeah, I mean, they can't do much more for, for people but but mm -hmm. help them live mm -hmm. their lives to, mm -hmm. to their you know fullest and you know any way you touch it, it it's rewarding, right? Mm -hmm. So it's mm -hmm. it's uh, it's an important part of the mission. I was offered some jobs that were really interesting jobs in, in other sectors. Mm -hmm. Um, like retail and, and some really cool retail yeah, I'm sure. companies I'm sure. and, and I always said you know I don't know how you get motivated every day to wake up and sell clothing even though mm -hmm. if it's sexy cool right. clothing right. but you know wake up and, and you know a lot of the times I, I, I would spend a lot of time with, with, with scientists talking mm -hmm. about maybe a novel mechanism to solve a disease that, that hasn't been innovated around in years and we're Yes, we'll make money if we do it, but we're also going to risk money. We, we, we tried to solve, you know, for a novel way to treat depression because I think that's such a big issue, mental health huge, is such a huge issue. We invested almost a billion dollars trying to, to solve it. And I was pretty convinced we, we, we were looking at a completely mm -hmm. new pathway in the brain to, to, to go after versus serotonin or, or right, norepinephrine, right, right, right. which right. a lot of the uh, drugs work on today. And we failed. It was one of the worst days of my life. Oh. Not because we spent a billion dollars, but because I had so much hope for, right. for 
what I thought we could do to change the landscape in mental health and and the drug didn't work after a phase three study, a massive study, mm-hmm. that we couldn't be placebo. Uh, and that's a tough, no, tough position to be in. Super tough. You go all in for something and you're trying to, you know, in, in solve a problem. It would have been a you know a huge fix, but I think that's you know from my perspective pers- viewpoint of who Brent Saunders is, like you live to try to improve those situations in people, and I think that's a wonderful thing because a lot of people try to serve themselves. You're trying to like help other people, so kudos for that. Well, in fairness, I try to help other people because yeah. it makes me feel better. Yeah. So I'm serving myself. Right, right, right. I say that all the time. I said I love working with people in, in improving their quality of life because it makes me feel good. So that's a bit selfish, but what can I say? I'm giving something to other people, right? I, and like I agree, but I, I view it as is is completely energizing. So yeah. it's, it is selfish. Yeah. I do it because it makes me feel good. Right, right. Understood. So you spend so much time you know, working with these uh, big brands that are taking companies and improving them, optimizing systems. I just wanted to get into, I've always wanted to ask you questions about building teams and leadership. So, you know, you're, you're assembling a team and, you know, I have the responsibility of assembling a team here. We have amazing leaders here, great PT heads, GMs. Um, how do you approach building a team? Like, what are the essentials? I know it's a very broad question, but yeah, I mean, look, you got you have to start by by making sure you you either hire, retain, and develop the best people, right? Because if people aren't skilled for the job or have the ability to be skilled for right. the job, mm-hmm. um, you're always gonna they're gonna absorb your energy. I always call them. There's two types of people in this world: the energy absorbers and the energizers, Ooh. right? And and you know you want to make sure you're surrounding yourselves with energizers because you know. Not everybody's perfect. Not everybody's ready to take on every job, but they have the ability to get mm-hmm. there. That's when you get really excited about investing in them, right? Very so, well said. So you need a you need a way to winnow out mm-hmm. or, or recruit in the right type of people. But right. once you have that mix right, mm-hmm. you know, to me, it's about figuring out what works for that team. It's it's about the humility of leadership. It's about spending the time um, working with people, supporting them in in difficult tasks, mm-hmm. allowing them to try things and fail, giving them that freedom. Mm-hmm. And and absolutely the worst thing you can do is micromanage good people. Okay. Because you micro they're gonna leave or they're gonna hate you and it's gonna be toxic to the culture. Good people need room to maneuver. I couldn't agree more. Um, it's super, super important, super powerful. And, and what would you say that there's some really key things that you're looking for in the people that you bring onto your team or the people you work with. Like, what are those key things? I mean, obviously you can speak to integrity, communication skills, but what is the most important thing that you're looking for? Or some of Yeah, I mean, I would say that the, the top things I usually look for are, um, and generally look at when, when I got to the last several years, the people I was directly hiring were mm-hmm. very senior people. Okay. Right, I, you know, we, we probably, at Allergan, we were probably hiring a thousand people a week, but you know, I was hiring maybe ten people okay. every ten years because my positions didn't turn over yeah. on much. But I always would would give advice to people that you know you you, you want to hire people who who have amazing intellectual curiosity mm-hmm. and and passion and humility. Those are the those are the three things, whatever order I didn't listen okay. to. Right. But 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 you know, if you're in a field like I was in a, a science based company mm-hmm. you don't have intellectual curiosity 
forget it. We're an innovative business. I mean, if right. you don't, if you don't want to ask, why does that happen? How does that work? Mm-hmm. What's the chemistry? What's the biology? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, how do you build right. that marketing plan? How do you mm-hmm. bring in, you know, social media into a world where you're regulated, yeah. you know, yeah. what you can say or whatever. If you don't have, if you don't have that intellectual curiosity, you don't fit in this company. Right. Right. And you don't want to learn, you don't want to grow. You don't fit in this company. Okay. You know, if you don't have passion, you know, for the patient, for the science, for the mark, whatever it may mm-hmm. be, for travel, whatever right. it is that excites you. You don't have something that inside this company that you can get passionate about. You're going to be an energy absorber eventually, and we don't want you. Understood. Right. And you don't want people that you have, like, I always have a difficult time. I, I don't want to be the person that has to grab someone and motivate them. I can add to their motivation, inspiration, or, or their get up and go, but I can't do that for 100 people. Like, I right. just can't. They have to really want it. Yeah, no, I agree. And, and well, or, you know, and the way I would say it is, you know, I guess at Allegra and at the end we had about 30,000 employees. Wow. There's no way I was going to motivate individually 30,000 employees. But, you know, you, you need to, to, to have enough energizers around that, that when you, you say, okay, as a company, we're going to set out this year to conquer this. Mm-hmm. They don't need me to walk around and say, rah, 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 let's right, go. Right. They, they get passionate about that and they energize their mm-hmm. colleagues. And, and look, there are going to be days and weeks when things don't go well. Of course. That people are going to be a little down. But, you, you know, your your office mate or your, or your buddy that you, you eat lunch with picks you up right, you know, and, right. and says, hey, come on, let's go. This, right. this is important. You know? Yeah, I would say that it's nice to have like fire starters all over the organization. And they, yep. they take great pride and it trickles down. Right? Yeah. It trickles down. So... You're building a team. You have a wonderful, uh, you know, you put together this wonderful group. You're looking for these very specific characteristics or attributes. Now you have this team. Can you talk about the lines of communication and the the importance of communication and how it should work? So what just communication that you appreciate, chain of command, whatever is important for you. Yeah. So you know, it's interesting. I, I have a very different philosophy than a lot of people in this. I okay. I'm an open book when it comes to communication. I don't believe in chain of command. I don't okay. believe in... Okay, good. No, it's perfect. <laughs> yeah. I, I want to hear that. I, hear that. <laughs> I don't believe in, in, you know, because you have the bigger title or you have a mm-hmm. more, you know, senior job or whatever, you, that that makes you more important or your time more valuable. Right. Um, Love that. Yeah. And, and you know, I, I'm really tough on this and people think I'm, I'm neurotic, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, being on time, and I was late coming here, so it's a really bad example. But but um, being on time is so important to me. Starting meetings on time, ending them on time, because you're just if you're the boss and you you show up an hour late, you have you have amazing talent just sitting there waiting for you. You're wasting so much resources of your organization. Mm-hmm. You're demoralizing people. They're thinking, oh, he's more important than us. We're all having to yeah. sit here. Right. And setting a terrible example. Like, maybe it's okay to get away with that every once in a while. Well, once you start doing it as the boss, I don't care if you're the middle or the top, or you just have one person you manage. Mm-hmm. If you do it, then the person beneath you thinks oh, yeah. that's acceptable. Mm-hmm. And, and that's exactly what they're saying. Oh, it's okay then. Yeah, they are. It's okay. Yeah. Right. So... And you don't return phone calls. You don't, you know, time and how you, how quickly, how promptly. Right. I, I hated wasting people's time. I, I early on got in trouble. People would, when I started at Bachelor Law, all of a sudden I started getting all these reports. Like every week, I was getting reports. It took like, I came back from this first month trip. I had like a room full of different reports, and so I started going through them. I'm like, I, I'll never read these reports. Mm-hmm. And it dawned on me how many people in this organization just make things. You know, and create these these massive, complex reports for people who don't need them or read them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I started an exercise very to remove unnecessary work. Like, 
we don't need that. If you have 10 reports, mm -hmm. pick the two you need and get, cancel eight of them. Wow. <laughs> right? Freed up a lot of time as well. Yeah, we wound mm -hmm. up, it was a massive exercise mm -hmm. and it took a while for people to catch on what I was trying to do. But, mm -hmm. but you know, I said, if, you, if you've been doing something for 30 years in this company because you just do it, mm -hmm. you don't know who reads it, you don't mm -hmm. know why you do it, stop doing it and see if anybody notices mm -hmm. right. <laughs> or anybody cares. Absolutely. And if no one cares and no one notices, throw it all away. <laughs> And everybody in this company has a right to do that. There's no boss or anybody who can get angry. Oh, that was great. Yeah. I love that. Um, you know, I, we, as we, we were talking before we jumped on the podcast and we were talking about how much time it takes, you know, people hear your story and, you know, I don't think they can comprehend the massive growth that in what you've done, which is really special. So, um, you know, congrats on all your hard work and success, but I just want them to understand the trajectory and the timeline and how long it takes because there are, let's be honest, there are a lot of people in this world today, they, they want instant gratification, they want it overnight, and I don't think they understand that. When we look at a resume, and at least when I look at a resume, if I see someone here for five months, six months, one year, four months, eight months, all that tells me is that they haven't been in a place long enough to create or and or value relationships in the relationships is what makes every business go so talk to well, them and also no loyalty no no they don't see a real opportunity look everybody makes one job mistake of course, and they jump and whatever that happens you, of course you got sucked into a job you got there you hated your boss you get 100 yeah, right that happens but mm -hmm. if you see that chronically people just jumping all over that jackrabbit kind of mm -hmm. resume looking thing mm -hmm. i agree with you that's somebody who 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 is just looking to, to quick hit mm -hmm. they, they mm -hmm. think they're worth more than they are and so mm -hmm. they're always feeling undervalued and you can't you can certainly be undervalued in a job yeah but you can't be undervalued every job right, right, right <laughs> you're right. doing something wrong right, right. There, there's a message in there right yeah. and, and it's taking you like this long road and long path and how do you you know how would you communicate to you know just the younger people today and let help them understand or break down the power and consistency and you know working hard towards something significant over an extended period of time like how do you break that down yeah it's a tough one i mean what i used to always say to people is um you know there's a work-life balance mm -hmm. quotient or formula for everybody okay right and where you decide to put the fulcrum on where you you do that is is a personal decision that being said, if you if, if you decide that family or your hobbies are more important than your work, mm -hmm. so be it. Live a happy life. Mm -hmm. That's fine. But if you have really, you know, if, if it's important for you to, to be very accomplished in whatever it is you plan to do and you want to be the best at what you do, which is kind of the DNA that I have, mm -hmm. well, you're going to set that fulcrum in a different position. You're going to give, you're going to make sacrifices and you're going to do things oh, yeah. that that people will never understand or appreciate. But I will tell you, there is zero substitute for hard work. Mm -hmm. And there's, you know, zero room to, to feel sorry for yourself. It's a, mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a conscious choice you make. And once you make it, go. Mm -hmm. go. You know, there's no right or wrong. Just go. But there is zero substitute for hard work, mm -hmm. um, consistency, you know, coming in every day and saying, I'm going to give, my, give a little bit better than I gave mm -hmm. yesterday. Mm -hmm. And over time, you know, compounding that right. is, is, is amazing strategy. And uh, I, I, think you, I, I think you may have even said this to me one time. Um, any 
I think I get it. I've gotten it from you. I think I've gotten it from Barry. I certainly got it from Randy. Like anything worthwhile takes time oh, to develop. Like I know you have these quick hitting things in life. I get it. I see it. But even like a Facebook, that's so that's, rare. But it doesn't really happen like that all the time. It's, it's most of the time you know, it doesn't happen. Right. Yeah. So it, it it that's what makes it hard. The fact that it takes so much time, but that's what also makes it significant. Yeah. Right. So what would you, what would you tell yourselves on those? You know, long road trips. You you said you went away for a month, and you have to do all these things. And I know that a certain part of you that, you know, you have that drive in you, but also, but that doesn't make it easy. Right. So what do you tell yourself when it gets hard? You know, I I just focused on the prize, which is mm-hmm. you know we're gonna we're making this a better company. We're mm-hmm. coming out with better solutions for patients. We're you know there's a bigger picture here that's right. bigger than me. Mm-hmm. Look, I average last twenty years three hundred nights in easy three hundred nights in hotels away from my family. Away from my kids, and you're you a know. family. You have a right. family, and and being a road warrior, and being in some of the crappiest hotels, being sleep deprived, and right. and, and all, all all sorts of different sleep cycles from being mm-hmm. in different time zones all over the world. But you know, I never felt bad for myself. I never, mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I have lots of friends who do really fun, and and I missed everything. I missed every sporting event. I was mm-hmm. invited to every concert. I was invited to every birthday party or party yeah. that my friends were doing or trips. Yeah. I didn't really go on vacation for 20 years. And not, I'm not saying that for anybody to feel sorry for me. Right. It was my choice right. because I wanted to do, it was important to me to be the best, at, at least for me, right. where I set my prayer. I wanted to be the best at what I did or I didn't want to do it. That was just how I thought about it. I think that's super powerful, Brent, when you said that you, you didn't go on vacation for 20 years, you you did it by choice. You weren't angry because of it. You did it because there was an intention behind it. You had a deep why behind what you were doing, and it's it didn't make you bitter. It made you better. I was you know? never. I never felt badly for yeah. myself. I always right. said, you know, I'm doing this because this is my choice. Mm-hmm. I, I could easily have said, all right, you know, I'm going to work a little less. Um, maybe I'd be where I am today. Maybe I wouldn't. Right. I don't know. Right. But probably not. Sacrifice, right? Yeah. Sacrifice. Right. Think of all the sacrifices. You know, your top leaders make every day. To, oh, yeah. to, in, oh, yeah. in your company to oh, yeah. make this a better place for everybody. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I mean, we have such amazing people, and, and they're working super hard, super hard. And I see how we're they work. Yeah, they do. They work hard, and I and my I, I said I just don't want to let anyone down. I just want to do my part and try to keep up. But it's know? so funny you say that because I, I I wonder if you feel this because I I certainly did. I felt like, you know, gosh, I'm sure there's some of the former employees of mine that say bullshit to this, but I really felt like everyone who worked for me. At these companies were my responsibility and i didn't want to let them down yeah yeah i wanted the company to be successful i wanted them to have better career paths better career opportunities right. better benefits better pay better bonuses mm-hmm. i used to say the best thing we could do is, is blow out the bonus plan and pay everybody more money and mm-hmm. it was like oh yeah great. it was like christmas for me 100 <laughs> percent. like i was telling uh one of the younger uh super important people in in, in our organization it's one thing to take the leadership role and do what's required. It's another thing to take that role and make it better. Right. Like you need time to make sure that you can do more and go above and beyond. Like if you, if I give you these responsibilities and this is what it is to be in that leadership position and you just do that, to me, that's kind of like a failure. Right. You know, I, I don't want that, you know? So you know what I say to people? Very tell me, similar. Tell me, tell me. I used to say to people, when you have, if you're a manager and your goal is to be a senior manager, mm-hmm. when you become a manager, act like a senior manager. If you're a senior manager and you want to be a vice president, when you become the senior manager, act like the vice president. It's smart. Because it's then smart. people start to say, you know, everybody acts like a vice president mm-hmm. or she acts like a vice president. Let's make them a vice. 
It makes it so much easier right, for your right, boss right. when they see you acting like mm-hmm. the next level. It's so interesting. Yeah. Con- conversely, I, I there's a lot of people say, "Well, that's not my job. I don't. They don't pay me for oh that." Oh my goodness! Or that's not my title. I used to say, "Oh my goodness!" But that's why I'm act. I, I want to be the next level, so I'm going to act like that as soon as I get the next job. I always try to be one level above where I was. One hundred. And, and it's amazing that you say that because we have people that come in. And we have we have an incredible team across the board. I'm not just saying that, but we have a bunch of all stars, and I think we've collectively done a wonderful job of bringing great people who really care and and they say it's not you know rah rah everything's my job but i need to worry about that too if there's towels that need to go there i don't care if you're leadership if you're a gm like everything that's what i see you do it you know and and it's funny it's infectious but you know Mm -hmm. i'll see you know dirt on the ground and and obviously you run the whole place and i see you the first person going over to pick it up and and yeah put the towel well i don't want you stepping on that dirt bro no, 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 I'm just saying, but you know, you, you reorder the weights when they're out of order. Oh, yeah. But now, yeah. as a as a as a customer, it's infectious. I watch you do yeah. it, and I see it, and they're out of order. I go over and redo it because yeah. it bothers me yeah. now too. It, it, ironically, it's so funny you say that. Thank you for doing that. Uh, when we have someone that's in on a day pass, we know they're in on a day pass because maybe they don't put something away, and it, it's not. We don't come down on anyone of at all. Not. We don't shame anyone, but it's just kind of funny that anyone who's a regular like yourself whoever they just put their stuff away right it's just normal you know and you go to other gyms i get people from all over the country that go on trips with their families and they say hey mark what do you think of this and they take pictures of dumbbells all over the floor and i go i have like a panic attack (laughs) what's going on over there but but i did you know like i would eat in our cafeteria you know if i was in the office i mm -hmm. always ate in the cafeteria with everybody Mm -hmm. if i went over and where you throw throw the trays away and Mm -hmm. it was all messy i'd start cleaning up and the Obviously, people would come over and they'd say, Oh, let me help you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm like, No, 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 that's fine. I'm not upset. I'm not going to go and like tell your boss. It's just. But because that's in you, though, (laughs) Brandon, that's something unique that you care just a little bit more. And I always say there's a lot of power in just a little bit more. And you're not doing it to impress anyone. You're just doing it because you know, in some way, shape, or form, you, Brent Saunders, reorganizing that is going to create a little bit better of an environment, period. And people go, why would I do that? There's no, I'm not getting anything from that. You're missing the point. Exactly. You know, you're missing they the point. They don't see the bigger picture. Right, right. And you know what? Somebody who works with you or, or, or next to you mm-hmm. will see you doing it and say, wow, he really cares about this company. Right? He's a passionate guy. Like, he's picking up the garbage. Mm-hmm. He's, he's reorganizing the, the tray area. Yeah. Right? Yeah, because for sure. It, it's for the whole community. You want, mm-hmm. it, you want it to be good for everybody. Mm-hmm. Right? Absolutely. So thank you for that. And, and now we talk in terms of leadership, you're certainly a leader. Uh, you've been a leader of many companies. Um, what do you like to see in a leader? What type of behavior do you like to see in a leader? And, and I'd love to hear who you look up to as a leader. I'd love to hear that. Yeah, I mean, for, for me, you know, I think humility is probably the most important quality of a leader. And I'll, I'll say why, because... Please. Most people who get to become leaders are, you know, and there's always an exception, are yeah, exceptionally yeah. smart, driven, mm-hmm. hardworking people, right? But what, what really differentiates good leaders from bad leaders is the humility, right? The humility to know that they don't know everything. The humility to know they need to surround themselves with people smarter than them. The humility to know that, that they can make a mistake and, mm-hmm. and, and learn from it still. The humility to know that, that, you know, just because you have a big title doesn't mean you're more important than the next guy. Mm-hmm. Um, those are, that that quality I think always defines great mm-hmm. leaders. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, look at look at Warren Buffett. Oh, yeah. Look at even Steve Jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, these are guys that, that have, were Jeff Bezos even, right? Mm-hmm. Who have, yeah. You know, I can't speak to the Jeff Bezos of today, but, right. but you know, when he was building Amazon, I knew him a little bit. Mm-hmm. I mean, that guy would pack boxes. He was, you know, mm-hmm. he was... He, oh, was, yeah. he was, you know, when he built and changed the world, and he really did. Amazon changed the world, mm-hmm. as silly as that may sound. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it. Um, he was out there doing everything, and he oh, only, yeah. only sold books for 12 years because yeah. he wanted to be the best at yeah. selling books before mm-hmm. he could take on anybody else. That's right. Yeah, That's right. So. And, and, and how long did that go on for? I don't think people, maybe Gen X now or, or younger people now, they don't know that it was just books. Yeah, they weren't like the Death Star gobbling up companies the way they are now. There, no, but you know, even at the, end of the last six, five, six years of him just selling books, everybody, all his investors, everybody wanted him to go sell other things, mm-hmm. and he kept saying no. Mm-hmm. He said, "We we haven't perfected the model yet, mm-hmm. and when we perfect the model, we'll be able to to sell anything." Right, <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, it's so interesting. You say you know, humility is probably the most important. What makes a good leader and a bad leader? And in, in, I mean that maybe that. You know, I hope the message didn't go over over everyone's head. Like, the worst leader is someone who's boasting all the time. It's like painful. Right? Well, because you know why? When you when you lose humility, you you stop learning, and the mm-hmm. second you stop learning, mm-hmm. you start declining. And wow. the second you start declining, wow. you start taking everybody with you. If you're Oof. you're a declining CEO or leader, mm-hmm. you're you're like the anchor mm-hmm. pulling the ship down. I mean, mm-hmm. you're you're just going the wrong way. It, man, that is crazy powerful I don't, I don't think people understand how destructive and damaging that can be yeah. you know it just and it sets like a negative connotation it sets like a, ne- a a toxic kind of environment and it's just not helping no. you know it's not helping it's not you want to trend up as a company you want to do special and creative things it just uh it, it's kind of like a it stains the culture yeah the way yeah. I, I i said it before too is mm-hmm. is if you think about it, if you have a humble leader mm-hmm. leadership is there to service the people who work, the frontline people, the people who do the work. Mm-hmm. If you have an arrogant leader, mm-hmm. everyone's there to please the leader. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. makes no sense. Mm-hmm. You can have 30,000 people in a company, you may have then 15,000 people on the front line selling and, and building and making mm-hmm. a company. All trying to please one person? Shouldn't mm-hmm. one person be trying to make 15,000 people happy? Mm-hmm. Isn't that backwards? <laughs> oh, yeah. I've seen the, the best people. I, I, I You know, I, I played for you know a handful of hall of fame coaches and then in my opinion the guy I played for in college he was one of the best leaders ever and I'm around great leaders today they just they have this thing where they're not above anything like nothing right they they, they will do it. and it always impresses me and I and I see the way they act and I'm I'm just too taken aback by it you know it blows my mind that I played for a guy who coached college football for 40 years wow. and he's on the field like lining the field and I'm looking at him like we have people that do that he wanted to be a part of it not because he's got to do everything it's just that he enjoyed being a part of things right. and he wanted to help yeah. you know I thought that no, was so even, powerful yeah, I, I, I think that's right but that's a guy probably who had immense passion mm-hmm. immense intellectual curiosity mm-hmm. probably wanted to still understand how some of these things work right right and the humility to say there's no job that's too big or too mm-hmm. small for me. I'll do anything. Right. He wanted to, exactly. He wanted to know why the lines are there, how far to the right. He, right. He, I mean, he could tell you more about a football field and dimensions. It was crazy. But that's because he kept learning. He that's never, right. he didn't stagnate. Mm-hmm. He wanted to, there was, a, there was an intellectual curiosity mm-hmm. to keep going. Even after 40 years oh, of being yeah. an amazing coach, he knew there were still things he could learn. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and, and if you see this pad right here, it's ironic. I actually learned this pad 
from Bill Belichick. He would do a thing called the pads and he would take notes over the course of a practice or a skelly or walkthrough, whatever it is. And he's writing down things that he picks up based off of plays down in distance, little things that he's learning. And they would go over the notes after every practice. And this guy's, you know, his reputation. He's picking up things like no one's ever heard of. You know, he's like, look, next time, snap the ball, make sure. Like, he was like the first guy to start rushing things, like snap the ball when they're making transitions. And he was catching people off guard all the time because he spent so much time deep into the details of what the hell's going on with his people and his personnel. Right. I was so impressed by that. But how, yeah, how, we're, how can you be a good leader if you don't actually understand what's happening in the business? Yeah. Right. Super powerful. And the best way to do it is get your hands dirty. Mm-hmm. Right. Get, get your, out there. Yeah. Get out on the field. <laughs> get, get your hands in the dirt and be present. Right. Be present. We say the people that get what they want are the ones who show up to get it. You got to be there. Right. But the arrogant leader thinks everybody should serve them mm-hmm. they should come to their office they mm-hmm. should come and and be on their timeline and mm-hmm. be on their schedule mm-hmm. be the reality mm-hmm. is if you're a leader you should have the ability to try to make your people who work for you lives more efficient their time more valuable yes right it's yes. Uh, it's so backwards of right. what most people think it's so true and, yeah. and to speak once again to those leaders that have been super impactful in my life they they're always trying to see how can i help this person rise up i want to see this person win what does that look like? Obviously, like, look, we have a company here. You've had a, you have many companies, but within the framework of the company, we want you to excel. Yeah. And if you don't want to be there, you want to excel something else, I'll try to help you with that. Right. But I want you to be present, be passionate, do what we hired you to do in the most positive way and just give it your all. And we all end up in a better place. Yeah. I mean, I, I would end every meeting with, 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 with a truly, you know, meaningful, what can I do to help you? Mm-hmm. Every meeting, mm-hmm. no matter who I was meeting with, what else can I do? You know, we, we just met on the XYZ topic. How you doing? Mm-hmm. And what can I do to help you? Sometimes it was personal, sometimes right. professional, whatever. But what can I, because I'm here as the leader of this company mm-hmm. to make you better mm-hmm. and help you and support you. And I've got your back. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Now, I, yeah, I know you mentioned uh, Buffett, uh, Bezos and Jobs. Are there any people like, you know, when, when you were coming up, you were just people made that may, may not be noteworthy or that are, you know, we know the big names that left a super powerful imprint on your path or journey that you were like, you know what, this guy helped mold me or this person, woman, man, whatever. Oh, yeah. No, there was the one significant a guy named Fred Hassan. Okay. Um, legendary pharmaceutical CEO. Mm-hmm. Um, he was the guy who recruited me from the consulting to okay. take the big pay cut and, and go work for him. And, you know, to this day, we, I still stay in touch with him. I speak mm-hmm. to him regularly. I seek okay. his advice and counsel um, to this day. Um, but I joke with him. I'm like, you know, you hired this young kid mm-hmm. and he gave me so much responsibility. He said, you know, I kept, I asked him, you know, now, right. 20 years later. And he said, you know, I kept, everybody thought I was crazy. Mm-hmm. He said, and I figured I'm just going to keep testing you. Mm-hmm. and giving you more and eventually you'll fail and then I'll be done <laughs> you didn't fail <laughs> and he goes but you never failed yeah, yeah. he kept working harder and harder and yeah. doing the next thing that is great. I said, because I said to myself I'm never going to fail I'm right. going to keep going tell right. your right hand guy tell him your error parent mm-hmm. and, and it had to be a part of you Brent that yeah. you know this guy gave you a wonderful opportunity it's not like hey I don't want to let this guy down but there's a piece of you that doesn't want to let him down right because no, there's you, no, you know there, yeah, all of me didn't yeah. want to let him down yeah um, you know, even though he wasn't paying me, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, he took a, he, he kept giving me more and more stuff and giving me more responsibility mm-hmm. and letting me do new things and try new things. And, mm-hmm. and, and I said to this guy, and he was so humble in mm-hmm. such humility. That's, that's really where I learned that from. Okay. Um, and, uh, I said, gosh, you know, 
I can't let this guy down. I, I, I'm going to work whatever he needs me to do. I'm going to do. Okay. And I remember sometimes like things would happen. We'd you know a drug wouldn't work out. We'd have a failure in R and D or whatever. And I could see he was a little down. I remember, and everybody mm-hmm. was you know. I would always call me and say, "Hey, Fred, um, you know, tough news today. What can I do to help you? Mm-hmm. What else can I do?" Mm-hmm. And he'd say, "Well, you know, you've done enough. It's been." I'm like, no, no. I said, "What do you got? You know, go home. Mm-hmm. Let me take something off your plate. Let me do something for you." That's and I wasn't kissing his ass. No, I mean it's um, super I, thoughtful I, as well. But that's you know, you want what? It, the, turn it around. You as a leader, who, who do you want around you? You want people mm-hmm. who who got your back, who are supporting you, who you know. From time to time, leadership's a lonely place. Mm-hmm. Recognize that you know maybe you need a little help. Yeah, oh, um, I need a lot of help. Right, but, <laughs> yeah, but, you know, yeah, yeah. you know, it's not that shouldn't be their sole focus. Of course, but from time to time, mm-hmm. that's not a bad thing to have uh, around you. No, it's it, it super. It it just man, I don't know if the word's fulfilling, but it makes you feel good when you know you have the support of the people around you, and it's legit and it's genuine, right? And it's really helpful. But I like team sports, mm-hmm. so you know yeah. I played not like you. I played mm-hmm. high school football, but, yeah. uh, and I was not that good. <laughs> <laughs> but you played, but you understand the dynamics of a team, right? And, and you know, teams are about you know obviously you need your individual stats, and mm-hmm. you want to you want to meet your own goals and, mm-hmm. and and performance levels. But at the end of the day, if you don't win the game, what was it all for? Yeah, yeah. right. The W matters, and that's a team mm-hmm. effort. Mm-hmm. No, no single player in a football game is gonna gonna win a game. No way, you can't win by yourself. Right, you need a lot of horses, man. You right, need a lot of people who care. So you got to pick your teammates up. Sometimes mm-hmm. you got to motivate your teammates. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you got to support your teammates. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it, that's how I think of business. It, yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I, all in, it's like to be a great teammate is a skill set, and I don't think people understand that. I used to tell, I said, Bill Parcells, Bill Belichick. If a guy added something to the team, I'll tell you a quick story. We had a guy in training camp who was an offensive tackle from USC. That guy would stand up before nightly team meetings, and he was a comedian. And he was so funny because he would do impersonations of Coach Bill, and, everyone, and he would get they would throw him up there. He would entertain the team. They would laugh. I tell you what, in training camp, you need a light moment. Right. You need it. You really need it. Um, but. They recognized that this guy was a great teammate. He was, he was, you know, he had the skill. He was a comedian, but he was caring. He was a hard worker. I mean, that guy was like, you know, we have two deep at offensive tackle, and then you have like an extra guy. He was like the extra guy the whole time. <laughs> and I was thinking, I, I used to go home thinking, I just know if I got Coach Belichick in a room, he would tell me because he entertains the team. I just know it right. because he added something so unique and special that we really needed because it got tough, right? right? Seasons long. And I just knew that that guy was there because he entertained the team. Right. I just knew it. But there, that's the point. Right? Yeah. yeah. Everybody can contribute in some way. Everyone has some specific skill set and to pull it out. I think that's also the skill of a leader, pulling right. it out and helping. And recognizing person. that that adds to the yeah. team mm-hmm. in a way that perhaps isn't, isn't easily you know, traditionally thought of, no. but adds so much to the dynamic of the team and makes the team better. So we're right. going to keep that guy. Right. And as you said, that's what makes a guy like Belichick so special, that he identifies those things and he he understands how we can all collectively be better because of the impact of this person's skill set. Right. I, I was always impressed by that's him. That's a great story. Yeah. yeah. I love it. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, so what's next for you now? I mean, you, you just did this huge huge sale like you're doing very well i know you're uh 
going to be in the cover of Men's Health soon. You know, you're you're you're, you're a <laughs> well, training just, fanatic. Of my anatomy training. Oh right? yeah, my, oh my, yeah. My, my, Jose's going to get you there. My the best trainer in the world. Oh right. yeah, yeah. Um, no, you know, I did a um, I did something that I think a lot of people were doing mm-hmm. last year. I did a SPAC, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. which is you know a, basically a blank check company. Mm-hmm. Um, raised roughly a billion dollars and, and went out and, and bought a company called uh, Hydrofacial. Mm-hmm. Um, we just listed it on the NASDAQ a few months that's right, ago that's right. under the ticker SKIN, S-K-I-N, um, and it's called the Beauty Health Company now. We changed the name. Uh, and it's doing great. We have a great team. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I think we were just ranked uh, yesterday by Goldman as the number one performing spec in, in the country. Oh, that's great. Um, and, and the business is great. We've got a good team and, and you know, we're, we're, we're trying to build a, a bigger, better, you know, aesthetic beauty mm-hmm. health company. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, a, it's a lot of fun. It's great technology, great mm-hmm. great customers. Mm-hmm. And, and people love getting hydrofacial. So it's, yeah, it doesn't it, sound like you're getting tired of this at all. No, I love to work. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm probably not working like I did in mm-hmm. fairness. I, I you know, as I described in mm-hmm. my life of the last 20 years, um, I'm probably, you know, at 80% mm-hmm. of, of that capacity. But, you know, there's a time to, to, to say, okay, I, I can't travel like that anymore. I, I need to sleep in my own bed and be in more of a routine, spend more time in, on myself, exercising, eating healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so, you know, I found a better balance, but I, I still okay. love to work hard. Okay. Awesome. Brent, I cannot thank you for, for, being on this show uh, enough like you, you've been incredible i just want you to give some advice if you could give advice to your younger self your 17 year old self the younger generation they're coming up they want to be super successful whatever they do in any way they want what advice would you give them yeah i mean from i'd probably come out of two ways from if i were giving it to my younger self i would mm-hmm. have said pay more attention in school having a, a foundation in mm-hmm. biology and chemistry for what i did would have been made my life a whole lot easier mm-hmm. if i'd spent more time as a student, um, being serious, I, unfortunately, I was a late bloomer. I didn't, mm-hmm. I didn't become serious till till law school. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I think I think the the advice we touched on it already that I would say to most young people I see is is instant gratification is a fiction. It's it's mm-hmm. a social social media phenomenon. Mm-hmm. You know, we glorify these these get rich quick people, and they're they're the exception. They're not yeah. the norm. Mm-hmm. There really is no path that's that 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 works besides dedication, hard work, and passion. Mm-hmm. And and so, you know, find something, doesn't matter what it is, find something you're passionate about because when you work hard at it, you'll feel better about yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, you'll feel, you know, you'll feel more rewarded. You'll, you'll advance your career faster, mm-hmm. but there's no substitution mm-hmm. for, for hard work. Perfect. That was awesome. And, and maybe now is a good time to, to you to speak to why it's so important especially with the state of the world, to be healthy, to invest in yourself, to train, to eat healthy. I've been out to dinners with you. I see the way you eat. This guy watches what he eats. Well, sure look, he I mean, the, the, great, the, the great equalizer for everybody is health. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. You, it doesn't matter how rich, how successful, how poor, how, how uh, old, how young. Mm-hmm. When you don't feel well, mm-hmm. that's the most democratic process of, of all. Right. If you if you were you know one of the serious COVID people, it didn't matter your ethnicity, your sex, your right. your your sexual orientation, your your wealth status. The virus got you, got you. Um, right. Right. And so you know if if you don't realize that there's nothing more important, nothing more important than your health, and the younger you are, the more likely you're you are to not realize it because mm-hmm. you think you're young and you're 
and vulnerable, but mm-hmm. the reality is there's never a time that, that not building that foundation, mm-hmm. not investing, because we're going to, you know, p- people that, that are younger than us are going to live a lot longer than we do. Right. The science mm-hmm. of aging, the science of medicine, understanding, you know, and having new genetic testing and new genetic, you know, solutions to disease mm-hmm. is exploding. Mm-hmm. But if you don't have your health, if you're not healthy, if you don't have the foundation of health, which is, you know, exercising and eating right um, and, and mental health mm-hmm. and, and taking time for yourself and clearing your mind mm-hmm. and meditating, whatever it is mm-hmm. you'd like to do, doing yoga, yeah. surfing, whatever it is, mm-hmm. if you don't figure that, that equation out to, to keep your mind and body healthy, it won't matter what science does. Right. right. Perfect. Thank you so much. All right. The last thing to get you out of here, uh, you've been super generous with your time. I'm going to ask you like a series of questions here. You can pass. You can answer the question, whatever you like. Okay. Favorite restaurant in Miami? ZZ's. ZZ's? Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. We went there the other night. That was great, wasn't it? I love the sushi there. Oh, it was yeah. great. Yeah. They did a great job. I didn't know that. ZZ's. Okay. Perfect. Do you have a favorite sports team? New York Giants. New York Giants. Sweet. Favorite athlete? Gosh. Um, I was going to say Michael Jordan. I, think I get a lot of Jordans. That's yeah, great. I mean, how, how can you not? not? Right? Yeah. yeah, I hear you. I hear you. Perfect. Okay. Favorite pastime to do in Miami? Be on the water. Be on the water. Yeah, boat. Perfect. Swimming, whatever. Be oh, on the water. Awesome. Favorite music? Oh, classic rock. Classic rock. We play a lot of classic rock now in Anatomy. Now. Try, try to get it going. I know. We're trying to get it going. <laughs> you can't bring, you can't, don't, don't bring up music. <laughs> I, know, I know. Thank you so much. All right. Classic. <laughs> thank you. Classic rock. All right. We're going to go favorite movie. Oh, Step Brothers. Step Brothers is a great movie. Oh, my God. I can quote that. Oh, my God. Movie. So great. Step Brothers. Favorite actor? You know, it's probably Will Ferrell. Will Ferrell. Yeah. He's the so man. So funny. Do you have a favorite book? Um, gosh, you know, I, I, I love Ken Follett as an author. Mm-hmm. And he's got a bunch of different series. Mm-hmm. Um, Pillars of the Earth, all of them. They're, mm-hmm. they're all great. Okay. Awesome. One message to sh- this is the last question, super important. You can either give a positive quote, or it doesn't have to be positive, a quote that you love. <laughs> Hopefully, it is positive, or a message that you'd like to share with the world. So, the quote I probably use the most, it's probably not so inspiring, is the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The second one I love, because I'm going to say two, because I'm not going to one, please, is, is the, you know, the old, I forgot who said it now. Um, was it Winston Churchill? Well, um, going to hell? No, no, no. It seems like the harder I work, the luckier I get. Oh yeah, right. Yeah. People don't. People think hardworking people are lucky. That's right. <laughs> Man, yeah, I can't tell you how many times I've seen that. Yeah. This person just got rich. They just got lucky. They're so said, lucky. Oh my god, they goodness. killed it. They're so lucky. <laughs> I know. Yeah. There's a lot of work. Now they worked eighty hours a week yeah. for for ten years. Yeah. And, Oh yeah, you know, we're oh, yeah. relentless. <laughs> well, you're certainly one of those guys. I can't thank you enough for being on the show. You've been awesome. You've given a lot of uh, a lot of great lessons, a lot of great things for our community and uh, our listeners. Thank you for making time to be on the show, Brent. You're awesome, man. Yeah, thanks for thank having me.